Well, the plan is, is to finish this little book of Second Peter tonight. We have been sort of haphazard because we've been distracted with other things, good things, not bad things, but good things. But we are, Lord willing, finishing it up tonight. So take your Bibles and turn to the last chapter of Second Peter, the last two verses of Second Peter. And uh, let us ask his blessing on this time. Lord, thank you for meeting us here, for this opportunity that you have given to us, a symbol in the name of our Savior, to sing of his praises, to remind ourselves of his goodness, to exalt his name, to seek to stand before his word and ask him to speak to us. I pray that tonight it will be the Holy Spirit and the Word of God that communicates to us and that in spite of the vast limitations of the speaker, that Jesus Christ would be honored and glorified and lifted up. We ask that his name is the name that would be exalted tonight, not ours. So just with that request that I ask a blessing upon this time, thank you for your mercy, and thank you for your grace, and thank you for your love for us. I pray that uh, you would use this time to help us more fully serve you, love you, and, and honor you. I pray that you would be the one that is uplifted up tonight, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're finishing up Second Peter. Um, remember that both of these epistles are written to believers, and uh, Peter makes that clear at the very beginning of the epistle. Uh, he says it's written to those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. And so and we know that these are believers that are here. We know that in this book, um, he has talked about the believers there and told us things that we need to do to be diligent to our faith and our growth and to add things to our faith so that we'll be fruitful and profitable and productive. Um, we also know that he warns about coming false prophets and false teachers and uh, that they will introduce heresies and even denying the master who bought them. And so he warns about these, he gives warnings to these things um, he, he talked about the fact that there would be those that would, or mockers that would come in the last days, saying, where is the promise of his coming? And they will raise that issue. And Peter talks about the coming judgment, the judgment of angels uh, and people, and that uh, God knows how to preserve the righteous while bringing the guilty under judgment. We come now to the last two verses, which kind of reminds us, if you will, um, those individuals, it begins in verse 17 and 18. I, I, I want my way. And uh, it's, uh, we are just wicked people in the heart. We are very stubborn. I'm stubborn. And the Lord has to work with us. So when, when Peter addresses these um, people there, because of the, the relationship, he's coming to them. He calls them beloved. Those of you that are loved, 
And we know that we are loved uh, by the Lord. We know that he has done so much for us. We, we are the recipients of a, a torrential, I think of it as a torrential downpour of blessing upon us. So in this little section here, there are two things that he is going to talk about. One is he's going to counsel his audience to be careful and being cautious about a few things. And then secondly, he's going to counsel them to be courageous to do, to pursue some things. And so the first part, to be careful, he just reminds those uh, beloved believers uh, because they know beforehand the things that are going to happen they need to keep watch and that just is a way of, of telling us this foreknowledge if you will this knowledge that is beforehand um, because we know that these things are going to take place uh, they're going to be happening but he's warning us it's like the old saying you've probably heard it to be forewarned is to be forearmed and so you know that these things are coming, you know they're going to be false teachers, you know they're going to be people denying the second coming, and you know these things are going to happen. Uh, and so you want to be forearmed, you want to be more on your guard about these things. And I want to be more on my guard on these things and to be careful, uh, to be observant of the things that are going on around us. And uh, we are living in a day in which there is a, there is a lot of deception. Uh, not just that we think of it on television, but it's not just on television. If you look at, at uh, a lot of the religious stuff that's going on, there's a lot of deception, it really is. Um, and it's kind of scary in a way. I encourage you, though, to really spend time um, in the Word and to spend time looking at your own life because your life, you want your life to be right with the Lord. I want my life to be right with the Lord. And it's easy for me to be distracted and easier for you, I'm sure, to be distracted. So we want to be careful. Be faithful in the scriptures. Be faithful uh, in your Bible study and your practice. Be faithful in your prayer. Uh, be faithful in your fellowship in the church. Uh, be faithful in witnessing to other people because all of these things together help us to grow. And that's what he's going to be talking about in this. It's not... It isn't an instant snap of your fingers thing. It's a process in which you slowly spend time in the Word. The Spirit of God slowly works in your life, works through circumstances, helps the Word to make sense in your life. You go to church where you learn what the Scripture says. That's where you're supposed to learn. And you find uh, that the application of the Word and then of prayer as you approach the throne of the universe and come before the Lord. And then you share that with other people, begin to grow, begin to develop a relationship with the Lord. It's a process that incorporates a number of these disciplines that is the process of growth. It isn't just a snap of the fingers kind of thing where you, you say a prayer and all of a sudden you're zapped to heaven with instant maturity. So he says, uh, you therefore, beloved, uh, knowing beforehand be on your guard. That's the way of saying keep watch. Remember, we just finished looking at one of the churches that, that they were in an area where they had been sleeping and were able to be conquered because they were not watching. They were not vigilant. We need to do that. We need to be aware of that. Keep watch. Uh, and he says there, which is interesting, he says keep watch so that you, and so here are the believers, he's all, you are not carried away and that has the idea of of uh, 
of being led astray. You're not carried away. You're not led astray. It also carries the idea of, of uh, do not accommodate. And in that sentence, he adds the word, the little phrase error. Um, do not be carried away by error. Error has to do with uh, wanderings, um, like a sheep that wanders from the flock or whatever. Don't be carried away with investigating or wandering or being detoured or investigating other things. When you know the truth, stick with the truth. When you have it, when God has been working in your life and your heart, um, stick to it. Don't be detoured. Don't be wandering away because if you do, uh, you can be deceived and you can be given over. It's a, really is a scary thing when you, when you turn away from the flock that God has put you in. And uh, I think Isaiah talked about that. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. We've done what we want to do. We've gone the way that we want to do. When the Old Testament talks about Israel, and they were always in trouble when every man did what was right. Is that the only life? Exactly right. Uh, we are easily, the Bible uses the phrase sheep to describe us because we are easily led astray. Jesus described his sheep when he said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. That's important. And so we want to follow him. We want to take him seriously. I do, and I know you do too. I struggle with that. I really do struggle with that. Yes, we do. And that's the one advantage the sheep have is their shepherd. Without a shepherd, they are going to be consumed. That's, that's true. true with us. We stand no chance against Satan. We stand no chance against this world and the flesh outside of Christ. No chance. So we are, what you're saying is, is true, that we are very vulnerable. Very easily deceived, very easily tricked. But the shepherd is enough. You have a good shepherd, and he is, he's given his life for his sheep. And uh, we hear his voice. We need to listen. <clears throat> we need to obey. We need to take him seriously. Good. Anybody else? Okay. So this is, this is, this is true, and this is important to know uh, that we need to be watching, not to be carried away at the era of. The term there, unprincipled men, uh, talks about those who, this is kind of a quote from one of the, the commentaries of, and not one of the word studies, it says, those who violate the law of nature and conscience, unprincipled men. The word unprincipled men is one word, actually, in the Greek, it's one term. And they are those who violate uh, the laws of nature and of common sense. And, uh, conscience they're just kind of roughshod and they kind of independent so he says uh, there in that text you're not to be carried away by the error of unprincipled men and fall from your own steadfastness falling has to do with falling out and um it's easy to do we are we are surrounded by all kinds of voices you think of eve uh, she didn't come seeking the serpent. The serpent came seeking her. And uh, she didn't start the conversation and she was deceived by him. She didn't, he didn't sound evil or wicked or anything. He sounded very loving, very concerned for her. There are a lot of voices that are like that, that sound loving, concerned, uh, concerned for our welfare, concerned that we are not going to be given over to stupid things. 
and yet it's the voice of error. So we have to, we know where the truth is right here. We know that. So don't turn from it. Don't be detoured. Don't be led astray. All right. That's where the word of God is. That's where we stand. So he says, uh, don't fall from your own steadfastness. That has to do uh, with firmness. Um, don't, even the idea of not moving from your fixed position. Uh, you, you have a you have a, a position that you know you stand in the truth and you we know what God is doing. Don't move from that. Um, stay faithful to that. Is what we say. So that incorporates in this little text and this thing of the little section of how we ought to be careful about these things. The second half is how we are to be courageous. He says, verse eighteen, but grow, and that that word grow does carry with it the idea of increasing it's not stagnant we talked about that they're the disciplines of the christian life which we have like reading the scriptures obeying the scriptures uh witnessing praying um being faithful to church those are all important and they are equally important and we sometimes we're we're kind of in a day when uh, a lot of people are independent of some of these things especially church they go to church because it entertains and uh, they find the entertainment to be the voice of attraction for them and if you if it's a if it's a strong message or message of correction or discipline a lot of times we turn away from it because we don't like that and we what paul talks about those that seek to have itching ears and they seek teachers to satisfy their ears so we want to be sensitive to the word and sensitive to what God is saying and sensitive to the Holy Spirit and take him seriously, um, really take him seriously. And uh, if the scriptures step on your toes, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. And just let that word uh, work in your heart and your life and take it seriously and ask the Lord to begin to show you and mold you and help you do better. And I can tell you, it's not always easy. It's not, it's not always fun but it's definitely necessary. It's really important. So he says, grow in the grace. And you know, grace carries um, having to do many things, favor, uh, loveliness, graciousness. Uh, it always carries with it the idea of that which comes as undeserved favor from God. Um, I think it's John MacArthur. In fact, I know it was John MacArthur say, use the illustration that we we can begin to take God's grace and God's mercy for granted and uh, tread on his grace. We think that God owes us um, good weather or he owes us um, a house that is warm and comfortable, that he owes us three square meals a day. And when something bad happens, like 9-11 or like this tragedy that's taking place in Ukraine and things like that, we, we say, why has God done that? Why is it? We, it? It's a way of saying that he's been gracious to us and he owes that to us and now he's changing and he's being wicked or evil. But actually, he's not. He's giving us in many respects what we deserve. And we don't deserve another day of, of blessing and, and health and things like that. He's he's good to us, and that's why I say we are we are under torrential blessing of goodness from him. 
but he doesn't owe those things to us, but he gives them to us, and he's merciful, and he's gracious. We have so much to be thankful for. We really do. We need to appreciate that. I, I, especially as you get older, you realize that. You realize how vulnerable you are. And you, you, um, you realize that the snap of the fingers could end your good health. The snap of the fingers. We, we meet in the Bible study at the Ramble, and those men there just about are, all of them are pretty much independent and wealthy. They, they, they are financially well off. They have a lot of investments. They have a lot of concerns. And when you have a lot of money, you worry about what's going to happen here, there, and the other. But when you have everything you need, um, you tend to be independent unless you get a, a diagnosis from the doctor that there's a tumor up here, an inoperable tumor, and it's growing. That has a way of changing your perspective on life. And the money that you have is not nearly as valuable as the relationship you have with the Lord. And God does that in mercy and grace. And he can do it to everybody in this room. He's not bound by that. And I, I think about that. I think about that a lot, that, that uh, I'm we're treading uh, through life and so dependent. We're not independent like Clint Eastwood and we see in the movie, but we are very dependent and very fragile. And uh, we... we we want to be faithful and to be a credit to the Savior. Think of the Savior and think of who he is and what he's done for me. And one day I'll stand before him and look into his face. What's that, what is that going to be like? What would it be like to see him, to see the face of the one who died for me? It's awesome. And to see the, the print of the nails in his hands, the scars there and the, the thing inside that was there. That, and I'm the reason. He died to pay for my sin. So he's mighty good to us, and we are very vulnerable. And so he tells us to grow in grace and the knowledge. Um, that is a knowledge that's not epic. That's not full knowledge. He talks about full knowledge further on back. In many places, and Peter talks about growing the, 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 to be strong in the full knowledge of our Savior. This is knowledge. This is, is accumulating information, growing in this knowledge, growing in this, this uh, reserve of knowledge and understanding of spiritual truth. And we need to do that because that's part of growth. That's part of development. Grow in that, uh, the knowledge and the truth, not just general truth, but of our Lord and Savior. The word Lord there could be translated master. Absolutely. Grow in this knowledge of our Lord. Reminding us also that he is our Lord and he is our boss. That was, um, some of you may have remembered, we worked with a lady, Phyllis Millen, for a while. And one of the things that she, we talked to her about, about trusting Jesus as Lord and Savior, that he was our Lord. And she popped up, she said, he's a boss. And I said, yes, that's right, he's our boss. And uh, he's good. He's, very, he's a good boss. But he's a boss that's, that uh, is demanding in the sense that he's not going to take second place. And uh, that's not always easy because we have, was it Calvin said that our heart is an idol factory. We make all kinds of idols out of all kinds of things that want to take the place. And I struggle with that, and I'm sure you do too. So um, he says here to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior. Savior uh, means deliverer. 
He is our deliverer. He's the one that has delivered us. He is the one who has preserved us. He is the one who did it at infinite cost. Uh, the word savior does not uh, mean shepherd, but the things that the shepherd does are in that because it says that he is a shepherd who laid down his life for the sheep, and that's what the savior gave his life for us. <clears throat> that's a hard thing also, just in, in passing. That's really a hard thing to think about to me, to think about the Lord who created the universe and created me. And I am I am just a an object of his creation, a little nothing among millions, billions of people. He created me and he gave his life for me. And the debt that I have is so astronomical. The debt you have is so astronomical. And why would he choose us? Why would he bother to put our names down in that book? Um, he is so, we are so blessed. He, he talks early about making your calling and election sure by obeying the scriptures and just ensuring that your name is really in the book by cooperating with him and by surrendering to him about serving him. But why would he do that? It's because he's good and he wants to use us. And I'm so glad he does. I'm so glad he does. That's just, that's just, that's just best. That's just the cream on the, on the icing, so to speak, on the cake. And so he's our savior. And uh, it says to him, the last verse says, to him be the glory. That's what you would expect. To him and him alone be the glory, the praise, the honor, the reputation, the majesty, the acknowledgement. Uh, in, in final analysis, we're going to stand before him. Uh, that, that's, a, that's a tearful and also a sobering reality. We're going to stand before him one day. We will. We have no choice. And uh, if we are in a good relationship with him, there will be nothing better. If we're not, then there's going to be a difficulty. We understand that. And we can make choices now as he speaks to us to direct our feet and to direct our path in that direction when we stand before him. I think of uh, the passage, the scripture that says that we're going to give an account for every idle word. We've joked about that. But to me, that's a pretty frightening thing because my mouth works all the time. And probably some of yours does too. And a lot of times it does it when you're private, when you're by yourself with somebody that you're very personal with and you just have to be careful. So uh, we just want to be, we want to be aware that he's the one that we're going to stand before and we want to give, be, give a good testimony. So it says to him be the glory, both now, that is the present time and, that, and also to the day of eternity. That is, we want to exalt him and live for him both now and in that day of eternity, that time when we will stand before him uh, in eternity. That, that word eternity, by the way, is a word for ages. And so it's to him be the glory, both now in the present time and to the ages. Uh, the word ages, and this I do not... It's my conclusion from studying the scripture, but I don't have a verse that I can back it up other than to say that I think that the Lord, when he deals in what we call time down here in this earthly realm, he deals with days and months and years and hours and weeks and stuff. When he gets out of that and deals with his perspective outside of that, he deals a lot of times with ages. That is, he deals with, with uh things that are happening according to his plan, according to his program, according to his purpose. And he has um, um, 
I don't know the best way to say, but he has movements, he has schedules, and he has things that he's doing from his perspective. Um, the scriptures talk about that he he wrote a name down in his book, the Book of Life, and uh, one of the translations says it was ages before the foundation of the earth, which means that it is a vast, vast time. And I just have to ask, how can he do that? How can he, ages before he planned the earth and, and the foundation of the earth, how can he plan that, put our names down, and then bring all of these things to fruition, including the fall of Adam and Eve, the fall of the human race, and the restoration of us, and using us and using the plans and the programs and the the wars and the struggles and the weather and everything else and all of this working together people not thinking about themselves as being slaves they do what they want to do but he does that and he works it out exactly to get those that his name has been written down faithful to him and that not only faithful but scripture says that our deeds will confirm his work so that we will be cooperating with him that our deeds will prove that we are really saved. So let me read this, this text again. Uh, this is the concluding of Peter. Peter just tells us that we need to cooperate with these things. You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, be on your guard so that you will not, you are not carried away by the error of unprincipled men and fall from your own steadfastness. But Grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. So we want to be on guard. We want to know about these things. He's told us they're going to happen beforehand. We know about the false prophets. We know about the battles that are going on. And we don't want to be carried away, led astray, and detoured. We want to protect what the Lord is doing in our lives. And we want to grow. That takes time, it takes uh, effort. We want to grow, applying the disciplines of the Christian life. We want to grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord, understanding of our Lord. Uh, to Him be the glory, both now and to the day of return. So that closes the book. Any comments or anything you want to say about, about the work that Peter has talked to us about, about growing in the relationship with the Lord or whatever? There's a sense in which you could say that we've always been on his mind. Yes, we sure have. Eons before the foundation of the earth. Always been on his mind. Before the and that's a it's astounding. It point. is astounding. And you can tell that to the evolutionists, tell that to National Geographic and all these people that always talk about the millions of years and this and that and the other. And they, they can't fathom it. Have, we have no conception of the greatness of God. No conception of the holiness of God. That's that's the most fearful thing to me. He's absolutely holy, fearful in one sense, and yet comforting in a sense, because the fact that he's absolutely holy means he's absolutely faithful. Perfect. All right, let me, let me close in prayer. Father, thank you um, for your mercy and your grace. And I, I, I pray for my life, for my heart, and I pray for our lives and our hearts here. I pray for our obedience. I pray that you'll help us to remember these things. You've told us beforehand many of these things. We know that we need to be faithful in these things. We know that. And uh, I just pray that you'll help us to be faithful, to be obedient, um, to take you seriously, really seriously in our hearts and in our lives. And I thank you for your mercy. 
You're so good. You're so good. And thank you for writing our names down in your book. And thank you for watching over us and protecting us and keeping us from wandering astray. And thank you for, as our shepherd that you have taken to taken up the cause of keeping us safe and working with us. I thank you so much for that. Help us not to to kick and scream and try to wiggle off the altar that we're on, that we want to come and surrender and really, really honor you with our, with our lives, our, our welfare, our resources, our time. We are surrendering to you and everything. So thank you for this time. Thank you for these people. And thank you for what you're doing in the church. Help us to be faithful. We were talking earlier about the church being kind of a, I don't want to say weird, but sort of a strange uh, group, maybe. And I guess there is a sense in which we're sort of different, but I pray that you'll help, help that difference to be from you and it will glorify you and honor you. And that's what we want. We want, we want to have an impact that is according to your will and will glorify the Savior and exalt him and enable us to be used of you to see more people come to know you and, and your name to be more effectively and accurately exalted in this day and time. So we pray that in Jesus' name and thanksgiving. Amen.